0: The Game of Thrones Book Club for episode two, The House of Black and White, is beginning. It's happening right now. It is starting. I'm Josh Wiggler. Hello. I am here with somebody who has uh, not changed her face, uh, but you said you were going to, so I'm a little disappointed. Terry Schwartz. Does this count? That counts. That counts if you're I only listen, if you're Cross only over. listening in the audio version. Uh, Terry is holding up a yellow dragon in front of her. Hold face. On now. I'm
1: going to become a direwolf. A yellow dragon. It was dragonite. Come on, Josh. No. I don't
0: know what a dragonite is. Is that a Pokemon? Oh, is that a Pokemon?
1: Is a Pokemon? It is a Pokemon.
0: It's a Pokemon. We got
1: some crossover action going
0: okay. on. Right well, now. Then, then you were a direwolf. That was pretty. Then cool. I was a direwolf. Which direwolf was that? Was that Nymeria?
1: Um, no, it's Graywind.
0: Graywind. Oh, but Graywind. But Grey Wind's dead.
1: I know. The best thing about this is that. I got this direwolf from HBO the same day I had an interview with Richard Madden and I certainly made him take a
0: photo with it. Oh man, I thought you were going to right. say I, I certainly made him uh, cut off the head of this stuffed direwolf and put it on I, top of I his I think head. you're
1: a little bit confused about how the events of the Red Wedding went down and yeah, maybe yeah. you should go back. Yeah,
0: I should probably go back and, and watch and also maybe not be so confused with the show and reality as well <laughs> uh, because that is a problem I seem to be having at the moment.
1: And on uh, that note, episode two.
0: episode two of season <laughs> Five, Absolutely. So welcome, everybody, back to round two of the Game of Thrones book club here with season five proper. Uh, Very exciting that we are actually having new episodes to talk about after several, several months away. Um, Here we go. House of Black and White. Lots of things starting to pick up. Arya finally getting to Bravos, finally getting some Arya action here on season five. Uh, lots of other things going on, some interesting things going on in the Sansa storyline that I know, Terry, you have some interesting insight on that we will dig into. Um, Jon Snow, Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. We've gotten some interesting questions about Jon. Uh, one thread in particular i really hadn't even considered that now i'm willing to say is 100 percent happening uh so lots of fun stuff to talk about if this is your first time watching live or listening in the archives to one of these game of thrones book club podcasts just the requisite spoiler warning this is for the people who have read the books that game of thrones is based on so anything that has happened in the books is fair game to be discussed here you have been warned and with that said terry house of black and white overall what's your take did you like this one
1: I like it. I think this is still one of those episodes that people are complaining about it being a little slow, like taking a little while to get into the season. But I think that we're setting a lot of groundwork. And I think speaking of both of the the theories or concepts that we've had since coming out of the episode, it's clear that there is going to be a lot more set up in these episodes than you realize until you get to the end of the season. And then you can go back and you can be like, Oh, they did that there. They did that here.
0: Right. Uh, No, I think, I think so. And I think, I mean, listen, we're still in that stretch of people, getting used to the fact that the show is very different Uh, Mm -hmm. Brienne of Tarth actually has like not even sees Sansa Stark but has a full-on conversation with Sansa Stark Uh, she's made more progress in one episode than she made in the entirety of Feast for Crows Uh, (laughs) So,
1: still has that super annoying journey where she's just like traveling
0: right right well yeah I mean it certainly seems to be that way Uh, but yeah I mean I think that that is a thing that people are still wrestling with people are still grappling with the idea of the, the show making some big leaps away from the book. I'm still okay with what they're doing so far. I'm still having a pretty good time. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that things are going to be different, but but different can be fun at the same time. And for us, it throws us off a little bit in terms of being able to predict where we're going um so terry where do you want to start this week uh which you know there was tons of storylines this week i was when i was talking with rob cesternino on the live show uh on sunday night we've also recorded the feedback show that should be if you if that's not out by the time you're listening to this it will be soon um and we were discussing how like there were like eight different storylines happening on this episode which is rare for game of thrones to just be doing so much unless it's like a finale um or or a penultimate even um so it's it's a lot to go into uh we could we could start with Danny, we could start with, with John, we could start with Sansa and Brienne, we could start in King's start Landing. Where do you wanna go?
1: Let's start with John, because I think that the Lord Commander scene is something that people have been hoping for and excited about for a while, at least I have been. So between that and Stannis offering him Stark and Leanna Mormont's note I think there's a lot there specifically from the books we can start it
0: yeah so I, I think what was interesting is this, is this is something you and I had been talking about in the off season a little bit how in season 4 they didn't do the Jon Snow as Lord Commander thing um, that's like the lone holdover from book 3 into season 5 I think is there anything book 3 other than obviously the Stoneheart thing didn't happen but in terms of things that are going to be happening major events that are going to be happening from book 3 that haven't happened on the show yet uh, i feel like that's it i think that now yeah, we are, we are officially it. out of book three
1: i think yeah Finally, we're in season five.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually happened. Um, and I I mean, I kind of was thinking that maybe they were going to stretch the Lord Commander thing out a little bit longer. Um, it seemed like something that could be really in Game of Thrones' wheelhouse is this idea of an election cycle. You know, one of the things that Game of Thrones has done really well is amping up the, the political aspect uh, when characters are are battling each other for power rather than battling each other on a battlefield. I think that that has been something that's been really interesting, sort of the king's landing of it all. And there was an opportunity here, I think, for there to be a little bit more of an extended election process here at the wall to kind of turn the wall a little bit more into King's landing. And I think that that's still forthcoming now that John is Lord commander and obviously is going to be making unpopular decisions that are going to lead to him getting, you know, the crap stabbed out of him later on. Um, but I, yeah. but I, well, not, not for the book. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I, I guess I, I thought that maybe the election thing was being held off into season five because it would last at least a couple of episodes, but it was just done in basically a scene.
1: Yeah. I, I do wish there had been a little bit more of Sam being a political mastermind, laying the groundwork for it. Um, it felt a little bit rushed, I think. And and I wish that John had won by a landslide, but one small thing, I mean, one of my favorite images from the books is uh, Jerry Mormont's Raven flying in and just cawing snow, snow, snow. When, They're supposed to be when they're voting for him. And I love that that was sort of mirrored in all the men chanting snow, 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 or at least maybe I'm reading too much into that. But but that was like a small nod to that in my mind. Um, But I'm I'm honestly glad John is Lord Commander this early on, because that means we'll get a lot more. We'll get basically a whole season of that. This year.
0: Yeah, no, I think so. I think that we're going to dive into that pretty soon. Just this, this idea of John, uh, John suddenly being this very young Lord Commander, not the youngest. Not The youngest, that was an 11 year old, Ostrich Stark. Uh, but uh, he's a very young Lord Commander, certainly younger than Alistair Thorne, uh, would have been. You know, Alistair was, was very qualified, but I think that having him in this role this early on, I think you're right. You know, the conflict that's been set up on the wall already is this idea of uh, John being loyal to the watch and and wanting to do what's right, but also having. Um, a fairly liberal point of view when it comes to the to the wildlings and that is not popular with everybody and so for that having already been established to kind of play out over the course of the season I really do think sets up John's story to be one of the most entertaining stories of the of the season.
1: What did you think of the inclusion of the note from Leanna Mormon? I didn't realize that was such a fan favorite part of the books. I didn't,
0: I didn't realize that either. Um, but that's, that's great because things like that can get clipped so easily on this show. Uh, like it could have easily gone the way of strong Belois. This is even more minor uh, yeah. than, than a strong Belois. I feel like, and it's, it's um, it's, it's to me like, what is, what does Littlefinger say in the book uh, when he pushes lice out the moon door? Does he say only cat is the line, right? Yeah. Uh, he says, he says, only cat in, in terms of uh, the, the only woman he ever loved, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that was not on the show and that people were really, really up in arms about. It's very easy to just get rid of that stuff. Uh, very easy to, very difficult to imagine how they could have gotten a line like, um, in the end, Tywin Lannister did not shit gold on the show. So there's just like those little details from the books that often don't translate to the show. So count this as a win. I mean, I, the, the Lady Mormont letter uh, was never really on my radar to begin with. Uh, but if people are happy about it, more power to you
1: yeah reddit reddit was really excited and i actually i have a theory about why they included it but i want to Hold that for next week.
0: Okay, sounds good. Um, so, this is something that I think is interesting to dive into. We got this twofold from uh, th- this, we got this topic from two different people. So, we'll start with uh, Mike Bloom, uh, one of the hosts here on Post Show Recaps and a big fan of Game of Thrones. Mike Bloom wrote in a bunch of questions and asked us. One of them was Since it seems like Stan is sticking around at the wall and not going to Old Town, what do you think of the possibility that Sam will be one of John's key betrayers and not Ed? Uh, and Ed. Ed doesn't turn on on John in the books, but I think that Mike is pausing that uh, Dolores Ed might fill in for Bowen Marsh, who's not on the show. And Bowen is the guy who really betrays John. What do you think? Let's take that in that piece first. Do you think that Sam is going to stick around on the wall, Terry? And do you think that he is somehow going to Brutus uh, John here? Do you think that he is going to be against John in the end?
1: I do think he's going to stick around on the wall. I think we've talked about that before. I don't think he's going to go to Old Town. Um, I I mean, both John Bradley, who plays Sam, and Kit Harington, who played John, have said in interviews that there will be conflicting points of views between these two characters. They've very much been on the same side before, um, and that might change, but... I just think that it would completely destroy Sam's character to yeah. have him betray John I don't think that it would ever go that
0: far I agree I think so too I think that if um, like this is this is the season where finally like Samwell is awesome and it's yeah. clear like it's very clear that Sam is great he's you know he's courageous in conversation um, he's bragging about all of like the wild things and the and the whites that he's killed like he is he's talking about you know himself as Sam the Slayer like this is this is Sam the Slayer so far and for us to like be that far along with Sam at this point versus maybe where we were when we first met him, which wasn't super positive. Yeah. Um, I think it would really undo a lot of great work that the show has done. Uh, I don't think that you can walk it back that far. I don't think that you would ever be able to have Sam rebound from something like that. So uh, I, I appreciate the thought, Mike. I don't think that he is going to be one of the people who turns on John but I am going to give a big thumbs up to geek furious. One of our regular book club uh, participants here, Uh, geek furious wrote in and said, do you think that Ollie is on the show purely to end up as one of the stabby stabbers later in the season? (laughs) He hates wildlings and would have reason to feel remorse while still motivated to execute pun, a deadly plan. Um, so, Ollie, of course, um, if, if you don't know him by name, Ollie being the kid who... Uh, smug
1: little face. Yeah,
0: with his smug little face, killed Grit, had his family eaten alive in front of him by Thens. Uh, he's the guy who warned the Night's Watch about the coming of the Fens. He's been on the show this season. I kind of had forgotten about him in between seasons. Um, and he was in, you know, this, this first episode of season five, training with John, uh, obviously showing support for John in the vote. Um, and I do think so. I think that Ali is Bowen Marsh of Game of Thrones, the show. I think that that's a really, really astute observation. Uh, or maybe it's an obvious one that I should have picked up on. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think absolutely. I think that that's very smart. I think that that's a great way to have the same effect of uh, of Bowen Marsh stabbing John on the show, and we don't have a Bowen Marsh character to do this with. Like, if if like if Pip or Gren or one of them was still alive, maybe you could do it with one of them. I don't think that that would be wildly out of character to have like a Pip do this. I'm glad that they didn't. Like, if the choice was uh, kill them off or have them betray John, I guess I'm I'd rather them be dead. Uh, right. But I, I think to have Ollie, who was introduced last season in a really traumatic way, has a very established reason to not like why but an equally established reason to respect Jon Snow, to have him be the guy with, with, you know, the salty tears in his eyes as he is stabbing Jon. I think that's going to be very cool. And I say going to be very cool because I am very sure that that's going to happen. I think that's a great call from Geek Furious.
1: Yeah, I'm fully on board with that theory. And I think you'll find now as you're watching the show, or going back and watching the first two episodes, those scenes with him are going to stick out like a sore thumb. And you're gonna be like, it's so obvious, like, if this is what they're doing, it's so obvious they're laying the groundwork for that. Um, so everyone keep an eye on that going forward because yeah. Yeah, I'm like 100% there with you.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a terrific idea. And we have, um, we have from Alex in the chat room right now is saying that they've cast Bowen Marsh. Uh, if that's true, that's, that's over my head. I haven't seen that even still. I think that, you know, it could be Bowen Marsh and this kid, Ollie could still be in the mix as well. It and certainly I think-
1: was not just one in the books. <laughs>
0: Right. It certainly was not just one in the books. And I think, um, I think even if Bowen Marsh is in there, you know, you, there's no way to build up Bowen Marsh and his emotional connection to John without spending like a, butt ton of time uh, mm-hmm. on Bowen Marsh. And I don't think that the show has the real estate to do that. Right. I think you could have a character named Bowen Marsh on the show and he's one of the stabby stabbers as Geek Furious has coined it. Uh, but I think that you still need somebody who's going to have an emotional connection and uh, emotional connection to John, who we have an emotional connection to as an audience. He's not our favorite character or anything like that, Ali, but you know, we we have memories of him. We have you know iconic memories of him. He's the kid who kills Grit. We'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us to have a relationship with one one of the people who is going to kill John uh, if John does indeed die, at least attempt to kill John. Um, I think it's really important. And I think it's important that that's somebody that we already have some knowledge of, have some connection to. And I don't think that we're going to be able to get that the same way with a Bowen Marsh that we will with Ollie. So Bowen might enter the picture as well, but I think that Ollie for sure, Ollie for sure is totally going to turn on John and that's going to be horrible. That's going to be really brutal.
1: Well, speaking of... Different characters serving the same story purpose. What did you think about Jock and Hagar being back?
0: Yes, being so do you want? Do you want to just get into that? Because I, I, definitely wanted to talk that out. We didn't, we didn't get too many questions about it actually this week. But um, Jake and Hagar, he is, he is very much back on the show. Uh, this actually ties kind of into you know we can we can bridge these two conversations together and then talk about the Jake and separately maybe. Um, but in in terms of Sam sticking around on the wall. Uh, not going to Old Town potentially, um, and Jake and being here on the show, being in bravos when in the books, if you've read the theories online, it's fairly clear that Jake and Hagar is in Old Town with Sam, uh, even though Sam doesn't know who he is. So before we even get into Jake and being in the Arya story and kind of replacing the kindly old man... Are we just not doing Old Town at all? Is that off the show? Is that not happening? You think I
1: feel like it. I don't think it's going to happen this season, that and sucks. I think it might be past it. That sucks. That, season, that's right?
0: disappointing. I think that's disappointing. You but know, I guess it's just. You know, I don't of get too angry about stuff, but I I get a little bummed about that because I feel like the possible setup between like the men of faith and 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 the 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 maesters of the Citadel, you know, really kind of struggling against the the resurgence of magic in the world. It feels to me like that's got to be something fairly important in terms of what George is doing and so for that to be off the show at least in terms of old town specifically being on the show that kind of that kind of blows not happy
1: i agree but i think it's also part of just how many new locations can they put in like they added bravos yeah. they added dorn they yeah old I, town scene. i get
0: it i get it but i'm bummed do you like, think
1: I'm, it's something they could save until next year like we have our theory about how they could maybe save the ironborn for next year
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, And then also the other possibilities, it's just ultimately not that important. Maybe this is just like... um George overstuffing the story. You know, it's possible that it's not going to matter that much in the grand scheme of things in the books, or it's superfluous enough that it's not going to matter on the show and they're just not going to do it. I mean, they could do it next year, maybe, but if if we really do only have two seasons left to go after this one, as David Benioff and Dan Weiss have said over and over and, and over again, they want to do seven and out. Um, then I don't know that we're gonna have time to go to Old Town unless we start going there this year. But you're right that you know, we're introducing Doran this season, we're spending a lot of time in Meereen Um, it's hard to imagine adding too many more locations it's just especially
1: just for Sam as much as I love yeah Sam you know
0: yeah 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 that sucks but let's let's talk about um, let's talk about Jack and Hagar being back because him being in Old Town in the books for me with Arya you know at the end of dance basically being told like there's a mission for you right you know you've got you've got a thing to do as one of the faceless men uh I always thought that she was going to be going to old town I wonder if this lends any credence to the idea that she is going to be heading there in the books so that she can meet up with Jake and Higar, since she is hanging out with him here on the show and they're already connecting now do you think so or is it just we're just going to use a familiar face to replace this kindly old man character
1: yeah, I think it's just the familiar face thing. I don't think, I mean, maybe they'll have some sort of intersecting journey later that her, because her ultimate purpose there, her ultimate reason for being in Bravos, in terms of the story, not in terms of her motivations, isn't quite clear yet. Yeah. Um, so maybe. But I think that for this, it made more sense. Like, she's going to Bravos to see Jockin. The audience is expecting her to see Jockin again. Everyone really liked Jockin after season 2. So I think it again I never know how to
0: pronounce his name. I feel like I feel like you just pronounced him Jock and I've called him Jake and then I think I called him Jackin.
1: I don't, <laughs> I don't think <laughs> it's Jackin. It's not J A C K.
0: Yeah. Oh, um, that, I that's Jockin. something that's something else entirely.
1: Then again, I say gala wrong. Instead of gala, I say gala. So tomato, tomato, whatever. You're
0: going to the Royal Gala?
1: Yeah, to the Royal Gala. That's
0: so proofy of you.
1: Um, (laughs) uh, But yeah, I I think that they just wanted to use a face that people had an emotional connection with, like we were talking about with Ollie, which makes sense to me, even if it does mean that we won't get paid or fake paid or so Pete or whatever we want to call
0: it. Yeah, do you think that we're going to see Jack or Jockin or Jake in in uh kindly old man mode again or do you think that that was done in one not not happening again?
1: Hmm. Not I mean, we got to get more faceless like transformation yeah. face action happening yeah. in fact um i think it was buzzfeed made a gif of that moment and i was just like because you can see him peeling something off his face like just slightly and i have definitely sat there for five minutes and just watched it over and over and over again
0: yeah it's like a total mission impossible move he's yeah like, he's like ethan hunt
1: i i feel like we've got to get Some of that magic, some of that up close stuff, and whether it's Aria putting on a new face or whether it's someone else, like we have to be able to see it. Yeah, that's so cool. It's so visually cool and grotesque.
0: All right. Well, this this leads us to a good question from Matt Campbell, who wrote into us uh, this past week and said, entering into this phase of Arya's storyline, it got me thinking on the future of Macy Williams by the end of this season and subsequent seasons. We know Arya eventually changes faces to the ugly girl and then Mercy and then who knows. So my question is, will they change this aspect of Aria's training in order to keep the terrific Macy Williams playing Aria? Will they try and drastically change Macy's look over and over? or will we get several different guest actors to play the various different faces of Arya? So I, I guess it's a good question. I, I mean, I don't think that they're ever going to lose Macy Williams from the show until, you know, the hopefully never day, you know, hopefully the day that never comes where Arya is no longer needed in the story, which again, I hope never happens. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think that they, they would never uh, just replace Macy Williams. I think what we could see is you know, different guest stars playing certain scenes as, as Arya, you know, sort of the same way in like the X-Men movies. Like, it's not always like Jennifer Lawrence is not going to be playing, you know, is not going to be like in Magneto makeup when she is shape-shifting into Magneto. When Mystique is doing something like that, you'll have Michael Fassbender. Um, I think that they'll have guest stars that she's shape-shifting into. I don't think that they're going to do like big costume makeup for her unless, uh, and this is the other thing that Matt brings up that I think is interesting, like is her power set is like whatever they're going to be training her to do. Will they find some way to do something different on the show?
1: I hope that the, they use short term guest actors. I like, I think she's going, she's training to be a faceless man or woman for us not to see that would be hugely disappointing i think both to show viewers and to to book readers we've already established that that's what jack can do Jakin, Jaken, jack and jargon. Um, jargon jargon uh, and she's that's why she's there she wants to be whatever uh i think we've got to see it but i'm honestly more intrigued about whether or not they will do and how they will do when she woke in the morning, she was blind.
0: Right, 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 right. Yeah. And that
1: to me was like one of those moments in the books that was just a punch to the gut. And then I guess the next Arya chapter we get, granted it was like six years later, um, isn't when she woke up again, she wasn't blind. But still like that moment to me was just one of my favorite parts of Arya's
0: storyline in Braavos. Yeah, that feels like a good episode ending moment for sure. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I, I I can I can see that happening, but no, I think I think it's cool. I think that everything about the House of Black and White, how they're going to do that on the show, should be pretty interesting to see. Obviously, you probably know more than I do, so say nothing. But I I just think that it's gonna be I think it's gonna be an interesting thing for people who haven't read the books to kind of see like Ninja School on Game of Thrones, like shapeshifting Ninja School. I think it's gonna be a different speed than what we're used to. So uh, I'm very eager to to hear how like Rob is going. To react to seeing some of that <laughs> stuff is, that, if, is it going to be too out there for some of the people who just haven't read the book so i think that's pretty interesting
1: i will say we've talked before on the show about how i visited the set yes and the first like the opening scene of episode three part of that is what i observed so that's something that oh cool look forward to
0: oh great i'm, I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to that uh, yeah yeah we'll talk about cool that show. next week for sure uh anything else on aria or should we move on to somebody else let's move on uh where do you want to go
1: Let's go. Let's do Sansa.
0: Let's do Sansa. Okay. Let's do Sansa. And I guess
1: Brienne by
0: extension. And Brienne by extension. Yeah, they meet. This is this is like the it's like the exact opposite of *Feast for Crows*. It could not be more different. That uh, that Brienne who is just wandering around Westeros completely aimlessly has no ideas, chasing her own tail, and we know that she's nowhere close to Arya or Sansa. She has a conversation with Sansa, a, a terrible conversation. She does a terrible job, but she talks to her. That's so much better than anything she got to do in Feast.
1: Do you think that David and Dan realized how smart they were being back in like season two when they had Podrick Payne be so learned and so knowledgeable? How he can apparently see any person who any character within the show might not know and be like, that's the hound. Yeah. That's Sansa Stark. How do you know?
0: <laughs> that's a superpower. Yeah. It's a good thing well, that he would know Sansa.
1: He would know Sansa. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, because she was uh, Tyrion's uh, wife. And yeah. I, I almost said she was Tyrion's husband, which is not correct.
1: Well, that would be an interesting <laughs> I mean, I mean, version of gender roles
0: Yeah. That'd be a. a that, I feel like Arya could do that. She can, once she masters the art of the faceless man.
1: But were you surprised by Sansa's reaction? Her whole like "bitch, please, like get out of here." Yeah, a
0: little, a little bit. Like she's really Team Littlefinger. Uh, she's all the way in on this Littlefinger plan and has no interest in Brienne. I guess I was, I was surprised that she didn't at least say like, "Well, Littlefinger, can't we take her along? Like, can't she just like be part of our team?" Um, but no, she's, uh, she's totally Darth Sansa. It's not happening.
1: Go for it as you will.
0: Yeah. As you will. Um, all right. So let's, let's dive into what this means for Brienne, because I think so far, would you say that this is. I think Sansa too, but Sansa and Brienne are really the biggest changes from the book so far. I think not yeah. even close. Well, uh, Jamie eventually. as well. Jamie as well, which which we'll talk about in a little bit too. Um, but this is from R. Philly. R. Philly wrote in, considering Brienne's meandering story in the books, how much do you guys think that we can read into what her journey will be like in this season in terms of where she will ultimately end up? Do you think we will see her wind up in a similar place in Winds of Winter, both emotionally and geographically despite the differences in the roads she will take to get there um, so we know that Sansa is traveling very far away from the Vale uh, very far away from the clutches of Cersei Lannister and it is uh, widely reported uh, widely believed and plug your ears if you don't want to hear this and we won't go into it in too much detail uh, it, is, it is believed and confirmed by some that Sansa is headed to Winterfell uh, so we know that Brienne is going to be on her trail there that's very geographically different from where she is currently in the books, Uh, whether or not that could be the direction she is going to in the books. You know, however, this Jamie and Brienne and potentially Lady Stoneheart thing is going to resolve in the Winds of Winter. Could that end in Brienne heading north? That's interesting. Uh, or does it mean something else? And this is from Matt. Matt writes in, since they've completely changed Brienne's storyline, no Lady Stoneheart and Jamie's on the other end of Westeros. Do you think her days are numbered? That's the other possibility. Is the other possibility that this big alteration to Brienne's storyline, if this is not somehow, some way where Brienne is going in the books, does that mean Brienne is not going to make it too far in the show and might not make it too far in the books either?
1: I'm actually going to throw in another theory into the mix. Something I've seen people speculate about a lot is whether or not Sansa will end up filling a Lady Stoneheart type role. Not in the fact that she would die and become a zombie and come back, but the fact that she could be this avenging, angry force that is getting revenge for the things that have happened to her family. And if that's the case, maybe that's why they're keeping Brienne and Sansa relatively close to each other. And maybe it won't end up
0: being that different. I love that. That's great. That's a cool possibility. I had not even considered uh, that would be great, especially because in the books, I really want uh, Lady Stoneheart to meet uh, meet up with Littlefinger, and I want her to eat his face off, and I want that <laughs> to be how he dies. So for Sansa, she probably won't eat Littlefinger's face off, but if Sansa's filling a Lady Stoneheart role and if Sansa can kill Littlefinger, I'll give you I'll give you a th- two thumbs up to that. that would
1: I be- love the Sansa Littlefinger dynamic right now. Though. I know, but
0: it's got to end with her killing him, right? Like the student yeah, has so. to become the master.
1: I think honestly, I think like. Cersei's gonna kill him or something like that I think someone who he's just manipulated a bit too far and while I think he's guiding Sansa I don't think he's necessarily manipulating her I don't think he's trying to get anything from her I think he sees something in her mostly her mom and is just trying to have her get to her like best potential and be her best self so I could see it being just you know comeuppance
0: yeah, but I I think that uh, I I just I love the idea of Littlefinger's weakness being you know, the Stark women, uh, yeah, and for that to take them in, take them down in the end, I think would just be beautiful. So, uh, that's just, that's been like my fan fiction. I, I just, I have, I fantasize, uh, about Lady Stoneheart just gobbling, <laughs> gobbling Littlefinger's face right off of his head. Uh, but I, I don't know. We'll probably never see that. I don't know how, how well she'd be able to swallow with the fact that her throat, uh, is completely wide open. So.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think she's that sort of zombie. I think you're confusing the walking dead with game of Thrones a little bit.
0: Right. Yeah. But I still want to see her do it. It'd be gross, but I, I, I want it to happen. I really want it to happen. Can I have something? Just give me this. Just give me this. If I can't have strong bellows. Um But yeah, I, I just think, I think the Brienne thing is interesting. And what's, what's interesting to me, and I haven't seen much of it. I don't know if you have, Terry, have you, have you seen people complaining a lot about Brienne's story being different? Because I feel like this is one of those times where, and I I happen to to like Brienne's story in the books, but I know that that's unpopular. Uh, People find A Feast for Crows to be a bit of a slog because of things like Brienne just wandering around and not really having anywhere to go. I think that a lot of interesting stuff comes out of that, but it's probably not very cinematic and probably not something that would play very well on the show if it even plays well at all in the books. Um, Do you think that this is something that people, you know, like real book purists are, are up in arms about, about Brienne's story being changed, or is this one of those occasions where it's like oh the show is doing this better than the books what have you encountered in terms of like reading Reddit or talking to fans like what is your impression of this
1: yeah honestly that's not the storyline people have been talking about it seems um, and I think part of it is because she seems to be packaged in with the Sansa changes so people are more focused on that and what Sansa is going to be doing instead of what Brienne is going to be yeah. doing yeah and I think it just depends where she goes from here you
0: know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I think that it's, um, uh, I think it's cool. I, I think it's cool, but I, I know that there are probably some people who don't, but if you're like a really strong follower of Brienne's story in the books, and if there's things from that, that you already feel like we're really missing out on, let us know. We'll talk about it on the next show. Or even now, if you're, if you're listening live, uh, watching along live, I think, um, one thing like I'll, I'll miss, um, Septon Maribold, I think is, is good. I'll miss the quiet aisle if we don't get there. Um, but I don't think that we're doing that. It seems like the hound is, gone from the show uh but i i I would have really enjoyed that if we could have gone there let's go from brienne to another character that is really changing up let's talk about jamie jamie is going to go to Dorne. this is something that if you were following along uh with you know photos from the set interviews there were there was a lot of reason to to believe that this is where jamie's story was going along um it's very different from what's happening to him in the books this is from matt campbell again matt campbell said with the jamie cleaning up the riverland story cut from the show is it safe to say that we've seen the last of all the tully's Do you think that the river run stuff is totally out like the blackfish and everything? Like, are we, are we done with that? Or could that tie back into Santa? Like you were saying before, potentially. That's
1: actually something that I've talked about just hanging out in my house, watching the episodes. Um, I think they've got to bring back the Tully's at some point. That's bad storytelling to just leave them with us, not knowing their fate and not bringing them back. And, um, Tobias Menzies who plays Edmund Tully is currently on Outlander and I've interviewed him multiple times for that and then like so when are you coming back for Game of Thrones and he's like yeah, I haven't heard anything but my general sense from him is that if they ever need him to come back I'm assuming it wouldn't be more than an episode or something he would uh, and I'm sure the same as for the actor who plays Brendan Tully I'm not sure what his name is yeah
0: um, I just feel like if we're already cutting things like the Iron Islands if we're not going to Old Town I do feel like this whole thing to the Riverlands I don't know how we're getting oh, I don't think
1: it'll happen this season, but I think that they will come back at some point before the end of the show. I think we'll see them again or find out what happened to them. I don't think that they're just going to leave that thread hanging.
0: Well, what's it, what's your gut instinct? Um, and again, you've seen a little more than I have. So, so don't say too much, but what's your, what's your gut instinct in terms of Jamie, going to Dorne with Braun versus Jamie going to the Riverlands with Ilan Payne. Uh, which story are you more into on paper? Uh, do you think that this is the right move for the show to do something really different with Jamie? Do you think that we're losing something very interesting in having Jamie's Riverlands story washed away, at least for now?
1: No, I think this is definitely the right way to go about it it's giving us a connection to Dorne in the form of a very established character um and actually I guess this is a good time to bring up the theory that I actually found on Reddit it's not my theory but I posted an article about it which is that um Dorne didn't send the necklace threat to Cersei
0: okay so yeah so let's let's talk about this there is this scene in King's Landing the first King's Landing scene of the episode where Cersei is showing Jamie this box that she received and when they open the box this like fake snake pops out and it's holding a necklace uh, it's Marcella's necklace it's the same as the one that Cersei has there's only two of them in the world apparently Apparently, that's what, uh, Jamie, that's, that's, what
1: like, tells, that's what she tells Jamie.
0: That's what she tells Jamie. That might not be the case. And this is where this theory comes in that, Terry, you can explain.
1: Yeah. So basically, and again, this is not mine. I saw this on Reddit and it blew my mind. If we go back to season two, there's a scene where Joffrey is apologizing to Sansa for being a shit and gives her <laughs> an
0: Are those the exact words? I'm sorry, I'm being a shit. Yeah,
1: you know, that's in the script. That's like Joffrey's being a shit and he's sorry. Um, (laughs) So he gives her a necklace as a gift, as an apology, and she takes it and puts it on. And it's the exact same necklace that is in this scene. And she even says, oh, it's just like the one your mother wears. We see it again in season three. It's something she's worn throughout the show. And I think that this costume department is so meticulous that this isn't a mistake this isn't like oh they forgot they already did that it's not like a character changes eye color or a horse changes a gender like George has done in the books so to me there are like three possible reasons that there's this mistake between Cersei saying hey there's only two of these necklaces but we know that there is a third necklace okay the first is that Cersei's just lying and just playing Jamie and using this as an excuse. Maybe she created this viper, put the necklace in its mouth, is using this to try and get her daughter back because she hates Thorn, She wants Marcella back. Her dad can't stop her. Tyrion's gone. I think the more likely theory is that Tyrion or sorry, not Tyrion. Littlefinger is the one who sent this box because he's with Sansa. She she might still have this necklace. Maybe not. Uh, Maybe he's doing it to manipulate Cersei to keep her eyes on the south while he has Sansa up in the north and is doing stuff with her. And then I think that
0: Littlefinger sent Sansa's necklace to Cersei.
1: Yeah. Pretending it was from Dorne. To start this war. And because people have been like, why is he so casually traveling around with Sansa in the north? And he's like, oh, it's you know so far away Cersei can't pay attention. Well, if she's focusing on Dorn and a threat there, then uh that makes sense. And then the the third option could just be that Cersei didn't know. She didn't know that Joffrey either made a new necklace or like stole Marcella's or something like that. And that she sent Jamie there, um not realizing that the threat didn't come. But to me this seems to prove that regardless of the reason, the necklace didn't come from Dorne and that when Jamie shows up there, they're going to be like, what necklace? What are you talking about? And maybe this will start a new conversation there and have him change how he looks at Cersei. And that is corroborated, at least in my mind, a little bit because in those photos you were talking about when it was confirmed that Jamie was going to Dorne, there was a video taken on set by a Spanish news outlet that showed uh, Ilaria sand, Ario Hota, Doran and Jamie sitting around like in a living room, having a discussion with one another. And if you're trying to like,
0: maybe they're just having lemon cakes and tea before they all kill each other.
1: Maybe, maybe, maybe he's about to fight to the death, but it seemed like a very civil diplomatic situation for someone who is trying to sneak in and kidnap his daughter and niece back.
0: Right. Um, so, so let's, let's break this down a little bit. I think that option one is probably not it. Uh, although maybe it is, I mean, are we underestimating Cersei? That's that's kind of been the theme uh, that you know Cersei believes that she's underestimated constantly, and now is kind of her chance. Now that that Tywin is dead, now that uh, Tyrion is gone, that she kind of has her chance to prove that she has that Lannister cleverness. So maybe maybe it is Cersei, and maybe us underestimating her is exactly the point, and that'll be a big surprise. And certainly, if Jamie comes to think that Cersei is manipulating him, that's going to speak really well to the fact that Jamie in the books where we are uh, by the end of Feast for Crows and Dance, um, Jaime is, has no love lost uh, with Cersei. He's not going to her aid when she writes that letter like, I need you, I need you. Um, so I think that could possibly... Be in the running, but I, I, I like the little finger option more just cause I, I think that that's so little finger. That's so little finger. It's so little finger for him to team up with Santa and take her necklace and send that and, you know, cause a rift that way. Uh, that seems pretty fun. Um, I, I think that the creating a third necklace seems like a, a, thinner way of saying to me that maybe there's just a production or continuity or, you know, that's not impossible. It's not impossible. It's not, it's not impossible that somebody involved with the show just forgot that there's a third necklace poking around. I don't know. I mean, you would like to think not because this show tends to be very deliberate and the story is so
1: been to their costume department, you know, like I, that was a perk of being on the set visit. I've seen the way they organize things there and I, for it to be such a big story point and for them to have like multiple scenes featuring that necklace and the, are the,
0: are the writers on set, you know, are the writers hanging out in the costume department? You know, this could be a dissonance between writers and people who are on set.
1: But the writers wrote in the line that said, it's just like the one your
0: mother wears. Right. Yeah. I I I, I think it's possible. I just don't think it's impossible.
1: Sure. Nothing is impossible Nothing. in my mind, but I'm like very on board with this. And I, when I, I saw like that, it. I was like, oh my God, I totally forgot that. And that's crazy. Yeah.
0: Oh, believe me, I like it. I think that's great. I hope that that is correct. That would be awesome. I would because so
1: it's, it depending on the purpose, it serves multiple story purposes with why Littlefinger is traveling with Sansa the way he is. And also, like, what is, why is Jamie going to Dorne and what's going to be the ultimate purpose there? And I think that even, If there is some other reason, but he he gets there and thinks that Cersei is lying to him and that's why she sent him, even if it was some other reason that could cause that divide that I think we're right on the brink of anyway.
0: Yeah. Um, well that's cool I like that a lot this is another one about Cersei this is from Matt Campbell uh, moving away from the necklace unless you have more on the necklace uh, no that's it Um, uh, Matt Campbell writes and this is about Cersei's appointments on the small court on the small council rather Uh, Matt writes in why would Cersei give Mace Tyrell two roles on the small council in the books she actively uses her power to keep the Tyrells off the small council and packs it with her puppets the Merryweathers, Aurain, Harris Swift and Rosby Um, I think well because the minor characters are just not making the leap to the show is one of them. And I think that the other thing that the show has done a pretty good job of is just making Mace Terrell look like a big dolt. You know, making him look like a big kind of harmless goof. The Terrells that you have to be worried about, like if you're looking for threatening Terrells, he's not the Terrell you're looking for. You're looking for Marjorie and you're looking for Elena. Those are the clever ones. Mace Terrell does not seem particularly clever. And you can throw him two jobs and he's just going to be happy. And when Marjorie comes to him with some scheming plans, probably going to be like, yeah, but I got these two great jobs. Yeah, I don't think Marjorie's going to even come to him. I so sure. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's already a reach. So, I think I think that's why I think that just because show Mace is such a dunce.
1: But he's master of coin now. We've yeah. already established the the Bank of Bravos, Iron Bank of Bravos knows is like ready to, you know, start getting its money back. Do you I'll think that the they're going to You think they so to
0: Bravos? Oh, send Mace to Bravos. Do you think so? Oh, that's interesting. Get him out of there. Yeah, that's a fun idea. I like that. Right? <laughs> I like that a lot. I think they have
1: some interesting, like Arya. Uh, yeah,
0: ma- that's hilarious. Braavos. Send send him to Bravos, and then have Arya just stab him in the face. <laughs> stab him in his face. I mean, I face. wouldn't. I
1: don't know. But when she made him Master of Coin, and they've already established the Iron Bank so much, I was like, you know. That would be cool.
0: I like that. I think that's good. And she could
1: get him out of her hair that way.
0: That's a good theory. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Do you think that that would replace the idea of um, sending Loras to Dragonstone? Or do you think Loras going to Dragonstone might still be in the mix? Um... I don't want to say. Okay. Well, that's good enough for me. Um, okay. Is there anything else from the episode that you really want to talk about in terms of differences between the books and the shows? We didn't talk about Daenerys really at all. We didn't anything? talk
1: about Danny, And I have this problem where like at this point in the books, I just like, I, she used to be one of my favorite. Yeah, characters. sure.
0: You're, you're echoing it. what everyone feels.
1: And then I'm like. Not only did she drive me crazy, but I loved that her storyline made me start questioning whether she's actually the hero, and whether like it's too easy for this obvious like through line heroine who's gone through so much to come up and like be the perfect queen and sit on the iron throne. And I'm like very against that now. I honestly think she might not make it to the end of the books because I think that it's like too typical fantasy to have that be the case. Um, so I like, I jumped the gun a little bit with this episode because I was like, it's starting to happen. Like, this is my favorite plot line. And I probably like jumped too far ahead mentally in my skewering of Danny article. But I think that to me, this is her first big mistake that she makes ruling Marine. Like it's, it's a no win situation, but I think that she got, a lesson from Sir Barristan earlier in the episode about her father and she took the wrong
0: lesson. From yeah, him. for sure. Uh, this is like one of those moments where um, like maybe, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess this is probably what her father would have done too, except probably would have like burned him alive. Right. Probably would have, would have killed this, this man in much more gruesome fashion. Um, but at the same point, maybe this was like, you know, if Tywin is there or not Tywin, if Tyrion is there, if Tyrion and Varys are by her side at this point, maybe she figures out some more, you know, savvy diplomatic way out of this situation. She's not surrounded by anyone like that. Is well,
1: actually, there. that's what one of my coworkers mentioned to me yesterday. Yeah. She was like, if Jorah had been there would Danny have made a different decision.
0: Yeah, he's he's more politically savvy than Barriston, I would mm-hmm. say. You know, Barrison is is probably a better guy than Jorah. Uh, for sure. you know, and I and I say this as a big Jorah Mormont fan, I uh, cannot wait for Jorah to get back on the show and uh, get onto the onto the Tyrion Varys train, although I wonder if Varys will be involved in that. I hope so because Tyrion, Varys and Jorah as a trio sounds awesome uh but if it's just jorah and Tyrion, like it was in the books um i am fine with that as well that's neither here nor there and perhaps you already know and i don't want to know so don't say anything in response uh but i i think i I think that i think barrison as as good of a guy as he is he's not as politically savvy as a guy like jorah who was savvy enough to like at least have the option open of flipping on Danny and, you know, using that to leverage his way back to Westeros. He's somebody whose uh, morals are that kind of flexible. Um, You know, they seem less flexible now that he has gotten to know her and kind of fallen in love with her. Uh, But I don't think that that's something that would ever be in Barristan's playbook. Uh, And I think that that's probably a mistake. Uh, I think that that's why Barry the Bold is probably not the best advisor that Danny could have. But if you've got a Tyrion in the mix, that would be, be really good. So if Tyrion's here, I think that this doesn't play out so horribly. But I guess for me, what's interesting is, You know, when we were talking about Game of Thrones last season, we were kind of forecasting what the Meereen storyline might look like on the show in season five. Um, Will this be better received on the show and by show viewers than it's received in the books? Because there's an opportunity with the political turmoil and just how um, tenuous the situation is in Meereen that Danny's story could kind of look like King's Landing. And especially with a lot of the players that make King's Landing so exciting, no longer on the board, at least not in King's Landing there was this idea that maybe Mirin could be the new King's Landing for Game of Thrones this season. I don't think that that's going on in terms of the reaction. I think that people are who, who haven't read the books, who just watched the show. I think those people are already starting to turn on Danny, uh, which is a surprise to me that the show is, um, is not able to get out from under that shadow. Has but that I been your experience as well? Or I think or is it's that just an me? intentional
1: turning point okay. for her. I think you're supposed to start feeling that way. And it's not the same as King's Landing, but I definitely see a parallel between what's going on in King's Landing with the Sparrows and what's going on in Marie and with the Sons of the Harpy. I mean, they're not the exact same, but it's the same sort of like descent among the ranks bubbling up to the point that it's like not easy to keep down.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean we'll see. We'll we'll definitely see, but I I think the the reaction that I have seen so far has been not super positive on the Mirin stuff. Um, and mean, and, and,
1: and so I, long.
0: And, yeah, and I, I get the idea that it's intentional, but I you know in terms of getting you to question Danny, I think that's crucial. You know, I I think that's really important. But I feel like maybe for the sake of the show, I guess I just thought that it possibly would be more entertaining for people to watch. And I think that people are just kind of you know over this already. Um, so that's that's a difference I think between uh, having to like have mixed emotions and feelings about Danny and her policies and her abilities and her you know her potential as a leader uh and then just like seeing all of that and just kind of shrugging your shoulders and saying next yeah I, 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 th- I think that we're at the point where a lot of people who read the books were feeling next let's go fast forward let's get to Westeros. i think that we are seeing that on the show where i thought that maybe that would be different for the show people where I thought that maybe the Meereen stuff would be compelling enough visually, uh, in, in the television format than it is in the books. Um, and grand we're only two episodes in, but I think two episodes in already. I do think that most people that I have talked to about game of Thrones with, and, you know, I haven't talked to the majority of people who watch game of Thrones because that would be very difficult. Uh, but the people that I've talked to and have engaged with have not loved what's going on with Danny. Um, so I'm curious, I'm curious to see if that changes, but I think that's the, that's the temperature right now.
1: Yeah, I had a weird moment, and this maybe counts as a spoiler for next episode Careful. in terms of omission. Careful. So if you if you're worried about things that aren't in next week's episode, close your ears, and I'll stop doing this when you can. I'm closing can. mine. Um, but I realized when I was, I think I told you earlier that I think that episode three is my favorite one this season, and I only realized after I watched it that there's no Danny in it.
0: Okay. So there's so, no Danny. I don't
1: know what that says yeah, about well, her storyline.
0: Well, I mean, some listen, there was no Arya in the premiere, so it's not the not the end of the world.
1: And I my favorite of the season thus
0: far. Okay, well, well, I think that's a, that's as good as any note to end on. As a tease, that uh, Terry has seen episodes three and four, and that's it so far. That's all you've seen, right? That's it. Uh, and probably many of you listening to this have also <laughs> seen episodes three and four uh, because of that leak, leaky leak. Uh, I have not, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing episode three. But if this is your favorite of the episodes that have been sent out so far, Terry, then we should have a pretty badass book club next Heck week. Yeah. Um, timing. Te- We'll figure that out offline. Terry and I will talk about when to do that. Um, In terms of other Game of Thrones things happening here on Post Show Recaps, I've been informed uh, minutes ago by Scott St. Pierre that the Game of Thrones feedback show that Rob Cesternino and I recorded last night. That is available right now, so you can go ahead and you can listen to that. You can download that. Uh, If you don't subscribe to the audio feed, it's an audio only podcast. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash GOT iTunes. You can also just get it at postshowrecaps.com and we will also be back rob and i will be talking about this next episode high sparrow is episode three we'll be talking about that sunday night right after the episode airs terry and i will be back next week talking book club Uh, i believe we will be doing that live again unless uh you know circumstances deem otherwise uh terry uh do we have a do you have a hashtag idea for this episode hmm should we go jarkin hagar
1: yeah just like just like spell jack in <laughs>
0: however the most you pronounce obnoxious it
1: <laughs> way you can
0: sure you can you can send that our way you can send that to terry uh associate editor terry schwartz uh a badass a true badass at terry underscore Schwartz is the way to do that on twitter i'm at round howard like ron howard but rounder uh we will talk to you guys very soon with another episode of book club great job terry good stuff Hooray, hooray, hooray. Hooray, okay. hooray We'll talk to you guys soon Oh, the direwolf and the, and the Pokemon are back
1: <laughs> That Pokemon
0: the Pokemon I don't understand all these Pokemon Okay, that's enough We'll do with the Pokemon book club another time <laughs> that's, that's happening at some point in the future Alright guys, thanks so much for tuning in uh, Everybody who watched along live And everybody who's listening in the archives Thanks for everything as always And we will talk to you again very soon Take care, bye